Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Uh, Glad that you are here. Uh, If we haven't gotten a chance to meet, my name is Devin. Uh, I get the pleasure to be one of the pastors here at The House, and I get to lead our student ministry. Come on, students, where y'all at? Come on, okay, Let's, let's go, let's go. And uh, so we're excited about this new series that we're starting. Uh, Obviously, I know everyone sees the boot, so let's just go ahead and get it out of the way, okay? All right, so I was playing basketball a few weeks ago. Uh, My wife texts me. She she wants me to tell this part, okay? She texts me, and uh, she was like, hey, uh, I think you should go ahead and, like, head back. We got some stuff to do. And I was like, hey, I'm going to run one more game, and then I'm going to be right there. And then it was in that game that – this happened, okay? And so I've been, I was on crutches for two weeks, and I got to have this boot on for a couple weeks. And so uh, the lesson is, man, listen, listen to your wife. Listen to the women in your life. And so uh, I've heard that story probably about at least once a day the past few weeks. So I just want to – I may get up a little bit, you know what I'm saying, but I'm probably going to sit down a lot just so, you know, I don't mess it up any further. Uh, but I do want to, uh, before we even get into the message today, uh, I do want to give some honor where, where honor is due. How many of you know we have amazing pastors here? Uh, here at the house, and I, I don't say that as somebody who hasn't been, like, close to them. I've known them over the last 10 years, and every year, they just get better and better. They love people better. They lead better, and so you're, you're in a great place today because we have amazing pastors who love you, who pray for you, and who are excited about what God wants to do in, uh, in your life. And so um, real quick today, though, y'all are going to have to help me because I'm not used to sitting down, okay? I, I usually like, like Pastor Stephen is my pastor, so I usually move around a lot. And so y'all are going to have to engage with me. And I, I just have this idea that we should come to church like expecting something amazing to happen, okay? Uh, maybe you're here and you're a Cowboys fan and you're not used to on Sundays like amazing things happening, okay? Uh, but... <laughs> But, but I'm a Chiefs fan, so I'm used to my homes, like, being limped and, like, still doing something amazing. It's like, so, but if we can get excited about that, come on, how much more can we get excited about what God wants to do? And that's because I don't know if you know this or not. Yeah, absolutely. But we... We just think miracles can happen in church. We just have this weird thing where we believe that people can come in broken and they can leave healed. Like, we just think people can come in with their marriage falling apart, and after being here for a while, come on, they can start to, uh, their, their marriage can be redeemed. Like, we just think those type of things can happen in church. So that makes me come to church excited about what God uh, can do. And so that means I may pull out my notebook and take some notes. That may mean I may be on the edge of my seat and amen the sermon. Not because I need it, but because somebody in this room needs it needs what's happening today because it's God uh, who speaks on Sundays to his people. And so we're excited about uh, what God is doing and this series is going to be amazing. I don't know about you. I don't know what you think about life, but I just have this idea that life should be full. Come on, I don't want to live like an empty life. I don't want to live like a half good life. I'm talking about like if I go to McDonald's, I don't want the box of fries to be like stale and like half full. Like, no, I want so many hot fries in the box that it's falling out into the back. That's where the best ones are at, in the bottom of the back. Like, you want, you want it full. If you let your friend borrow your car, come on, they need to move. They're like, hey, let me borrow your truck. You don't want them to bring your truck back on empty. Come on, you want them to bring it back full of a tank of gas. Can I get an amen? Like, you, like, you, like we, we want full. 
You don't want your checking account empty. I hope you don't. <laughs> you want it full. You want your life full. Come on, you don't want the Hogs to play three quarters good. Come on, you want them to play a full game, which they did yesterday against St. Mary's School for the Blind. But you know what I'm saying? They, they, they got the win. That's all that matters, okay? Listen, life is meant to be full. And that's not just something that we think. This is what Jesus says, John chapter 10, verse 10. He says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants you to have a full life. And so my title today is Full of Life. Let's pray as we jump into what God uh, wants to do today. God, we thank you that you have a life that's full for us. God, I pray for every person uh, that came in today, God, maybe they have been going through something heavy. Maybe they're just in a season of not feeling great about where their life is at right now. And God, today, I pray that you would refresh them. God, that you would show them that you have so much life for them to live. God, that their best days are in front of them. God, their best days are not behind them. God, and there's so much more you have for them. God, speak to us. We pray that we wouldn't leave the same. Holy Spirit, move me out of the way and speak to your people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Come on. Jesus wants you to have a full life. Now, now he's not talking about your schedule. He's not talking about um, material things. He's not talking about progressing in your job, which none of those things are, are bad. But Jesus actually knows that none of those things will really fill us. None of those things will sustain us in the long term. Jesus knows that he has what really brings us life. Come on, we need something more substantial than a bigger paycheck. We need something more substantial than a busier schedule. We need something more su substantial than a raise at work. Come on, we need what Jesus offers, and it's spiritual and it's eternal. In fact, Jesus was uh, talking to this woman one time at a well, a Samaritan woman, and he's there and he asked her for water. Now, Samaritans and, and Jews don't really mix. So she's like, how can you even ask me to get you some water? And Jesus replied, it's like, it's so cool. He's like, listen, if you even knew the gift of God that was in front of you, you would be asking me for a drink. Now, this lady, she still isn't getting it. She's like, you don't even have a, like, you don't have a bucket. This is a well. You have to, you don't have anything to get me water with. And then Jesus replies with this in John chapter four, verse 13 and 14. He says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Talking about the well, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Come on. You can be full. Come on. You can have a moment with Jesus and never be thirsty, never be hungry, never have to look for all the different things that the world offers us to fill us because you have the one thing that can sustain you long term. Now, if we serve a God who says, I will fill you, come on, I will give you life, then how should we come to church? Like, how should we go to our neighborhoods? How should we interact with people? Well, we think you should be life-giving, Come on, you should be, in other words, you should be enjoyable to be around. <laughs> if we have eternal life, there's no way we should be in worship. Just calm down, okay? I'm going to be all right. Uh, there's no way that when we start to sing about a God that gives us eternal life, that this should be our posture. Blessed assurance. 
Just going to be honest, if I'm coming in <laughs> to a church and that's the posture of all the people, I'm like, well, the people on Friday night are having a better time than this. <laughs> but if this is the place where we come to be satisfied, to be fulfilled, to, to never have to long for anything again, then our posture should be a little bit more life giving. And the beauty about this full, meaningful life that Jesus offers is that it doesn't matter about your background. Come on, I'm a testimony of it. It doesn't matter about, it doesn't matter about where your family is from or what your family did. It doesn't matter how much you make. Come on, Jesus offers this life to everyone. So then everyone can be life-giving. So as Christians, it's our mental to be the most life-giving people in our jobs, come on, in our communities, in our families, with our kids. Like we should be the ones who are who are enjoyable to be around and who are giving life to other people. And why should we care? Uh, because in order for us to continue to fill, fill the house of God, come on, there's got to be some life-giving people in the room. There's got to be some people who say, you know what, I'm going to step outside of myself and I'm going to make space for other people to come in and experience this life that God has given me. Because most people are not just going to wake up one day and go, I think I'm going to check out church today. Most people will go, I know my neighbor got that house sticker on their car. And I see how they go through things, but they still have joy and they still have peace. And every time I see them, they're smiling and they wave at me and they ask about my kids. And then they may decide, hey, I want to come to church with you. And so how we live our life matters. It's vital to the mission of Jesus that we become life-giving. Okay, so, so then here's my, here's my question for you, okay? Are you a fountain or are you a drain? Okay, are you a fountain? Or are you a drain? We all know fountain people, and we all know drain people, okay? This is not the segment where you point at people, nudge people, look at anybody. Just lock in. Eyes on me, all right? <laughs> Fountains give life. They refresh people. Come on, you have friends when you're around them. Maybe you don't even hang out with them that often. But it's like when you get back around them, it's like you spend an hour with them, and you leave feeling better about your life. It feels like a breath of fresh air when they call you or FaceTime you and you get to talk to them. Come on, they leave you feeling better, okay? Now let's talk about drains, okay? <laughs> drains light up the room when they leave it. <laughs> because they suck the life out of the people around them. They leave you feeling exhausted. You're like, we didn't even do nothing but sit on the couch and talk, but somehow I feel like I ran a marathon today because there was a lot of complaints, there was a lot of issues, there was a lot of excuses, there was a lot of victim mentality, and if we're not careful, and I know we all know trained people, we could all, we probably have a list, but that's not my question for you today. My question is, do you know when you're moving closer to becoming a drain and further away from being a fountain? And so, so obviously nobody wakes up, I, I hope not, and just thinks, like, I want to, I think I want to train some people today. Like, I just, I think I want people to not like me today. I'm just feeling that. So there must be some sort of unawareness that people have to not know that actually I am sucking the life out of all of the people around me. And so how do, how do we measure that? Uh, Pastor Stephen mentioned it in the video, but we have to look at our attitudes and our actions. Come on, there's an attitude that life-giving people have that's different. And there's actions that they do. So real quick, I want to talk to us about our attitude. Your attitude is made up of basically your mindset, your outlook, and your feelings. So how you think about things, how you see things, 
and then how you respond to what happens to you. Okay, how you think about things, how you see things, and how you respond to what happens to you. And the Apostle Paul actually gives us an excellent uh, look into what the right attitude would be in the book of Colossians. So we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And uh, he says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you all also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Come on, that is a lot to do packed in three, in three verses, okay? And so I want to point out to you these seven things that, that Paul talks about as a life-giving attitude. And actually, uh, Pastor Stephen did a message on this, and he was able to use like the whole, the whole sermon to talk just about these couple of verses. It's called uh, Put on Life-Giving Attributes. So if you want to go back to the podcast and listen to that, it's going to give you more uh, than I can give you because I only got 23 minutes left, okay? And I got a lot more to say, okay? So we're going to put these seven up on the screen right now. You can take a picture of them. And I want you to like grade yourself this week on how you feel like you're doing on these seven, okay? Give yourself an A, B, C, D, F, whatever you feel like. And, uh, but let's talk about it. Okay, so he says, put on compassionate hearts. Compassion says this, I see your pain and I'm moved to help you heal. Compassion does not sit on the sidelines. Compassion uh, does not say they'll figure it out. Compassion says, I see that you're hungry, so I'm willing to buy you a meal. Compassion says that I'm, that I'm moved. I'm not indifferent. I don't just look at suffering in the world and go, somebody ought to do something about that. Compassion says, I'm going to be the one who steps towards people, and I'm going to meet needs, okay? Kindness. Kindness is choosing to love people and stand firm in the truth without compromising one or the other. So most of us are, are naturally good at one of those, okay? Either you, like, love people. And you're like, I just love everybody. It's just a hug for everybody. It's like, you don't even know me. I don't even know if you wash your hands. Please stop hugging me, okay? You just like to hug everybody. And then we got some truthers in the room, okay? And you just you care about the truth, and we need a truth. This is the truth. The only problem is that those two by themselves, while they are beneficial, if you only love people, you keep them as babies, but if you only hit people with truth the first time that they come into the door, then you cripple them and they can't move forward, okay? And as somebody who's been a little, you know, the last week, let me just say it's really hard to move into all that God has for you when you have been injured by somebody who came across a little torch, okay? So we want to we wanna love, love people and tell them the truth and we want to do those in tension, okay? Mark Twain actually said this about kindness. Kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So you don't have to be good with words to be kind. You don't have to be rich to be kind. It's simply saying, okay, I, I'm going to love people and I'm going to stand in the truth. The next is humility. Listen, humility is simply a realistic view of yourself. We don't want to be too low on ourselves. That's insecurity. We don't want to be too high on ourselves. That's pride. We just want to place God in his rightful place. We want to put us in our rightful place, and then we want to put other people in their place, in our hearts, and our minds. Because we can't walk in and be like, you know, you're so humble that, like, nobody can even compliment you. It's like, no, it's just God. It's just, just, just say thank you. Just be like, thank you so much. Yes, I, re I worked really hard on that, okay? But we also don't want you to walk into the church and think that we, God can't do it without you. So we, we have to be humble. 
We can't, we can't think that we are the most important thing. Come on, God is first. He is the center of everything that's happening here at the house. And if we're going to have a life-giving church, we got to have some people who will say, you know what, I'm humble, so I'm not mad if somebody else parks in my parking spot. I'm humble, so I'm not mad if somebody else sits in my seat because who knows what they're going through? Who knows if this is their first Sunday? Maybe this is the last time, maybe this was their like last ditch effort to connect with God. And they told God as they came into the doors, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. And then here we come. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but you're in my seat. Are we for real right now? Like, Like we have to come in humble. Meekness, meekness is restrained strength and a willingness to submit. It's not saying that you have to be weak. Please, we don't want to raise up weak people. But it also just means you don't have to flex your muscle every opportunity that you get. You don't have to use your strength to try to take things by force. You don't have to use, you may be really good with your words and really sharp with your words and be able to say something to cut people down real quick. Meekness is, I'm not going to do that because if I do that, it robs me of an opportunity to build people up. When the Roman guards came to get Jesus, Peter was like, he was, I'm using my strength. That boy, he was like, whoosh, cut, cut off an ear real quick. I was like, okay, you have been with Jesus a long time, and you didn't know that uh, we don't cut people's ears off. Like, <laughs> like, they need to put that in framework. Like, we do not chop people's ears off. Like, we, we're about loving people here. And so Jesus says, put your sword away. What is he teaching Peter? Hey, you, you have to have some, some meekness. Jesus also says that it's the meek who will inherit the earth, not, not the strong. So we want to be meek. Oh, we want to be patient. Come on, patience. I don't know if you ever pray for patience, but you won't do that a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, as soon as you pray for patience, God is like, I'm going to give you a lot of reasons, okay? Mostly uh, kids with your last name. So, um, but patience is the capacity to accept delay. We all want stuff now. We, we're microwave. We like put it in the microwave, heat it up. It's going to be done. It's going to be amazing. But, but God sometimes says, hey, I need you to wait. I need you to be patient. And not, I don't just need you to wait, but I need you to wait with a great attitude. I need you to, I need you to have a great attitude when uh, people are a little bit weaker than you think they should be and they're coming along and they're growing. I need you to have patience with them. I need you to have patience when you had a plan, but that plan is starting to look a little bit different. I need you to wait with a great attitude because God is not slow as some people count slowness. Come on, God is always on his time. He's never on our time. So we need to develop some patience if we're going to be life-giving. The next one is forgiveness. Come on, forgiveness is just not demanding payment for a debt. Okay, I know a couple years ago, some of y'all were praying for that loan, that student loan forgiveness. Okay, what was that saying? You, you racked up this debt, you know, but, but we're not going to make you pay it back. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross for us. He said, you know what? You actually, your sin racked up a really big debt that you could never pay back, but I'm not going to demand that you pay that because I'm going to pay it first. And so because Jesus did that for us, if we're going to be life-giving believers, we now have to do that for people. We have to do that for our parents when they wrong us. We have to do that for our kids when they say something, you're like, I bought all of this. I will shut all of this down. Like we have to do that for friends. And especially when we're in a church that's full of life, that's growing and new people are coming and friendships are changing and seasons of life change. We have to have some grace and some forgiveness one another because as you do life together, people will hurt you. It's not a matter of if people will hurt you. It's a matter of when. 
And so you have to decide right now that I'm going to be a person that has an attitude of forgiveness. I'm not going to hold grudges. I'm not going to make people pay it back. I'm not going to say, hey, every time you wrong me, I'm going to wrong you back. That's not a way to be life-giving. And then the last one is love. And love is the choice to take the other six and constantly apply them to people you like and the people you don't like yet. (laughs) The people you love already, you're just like, their personality, they just get me, it's amazing. And the people you're like, I don't know why God brought them into my life. (laughs) But I'm sure it was for a purpose. So this is the attitudes, this is the mindsets, the outlooks, and the feelings that we should have if we are going to be life-giving people. So that is the attitude, okay? Everybody say attitude. Once you get those seven down good, congratulations. You've done half of the work. (laughs) Because you still have actions. So your attitude is great, but until you begin to act some things out, you'll never fully get to the place to where you can be a person that people say, you know what? That's a fountain type of person and not a draining. So I want to talk real quick with the rest of my time. I got 17 minutes. Good Lord. Uh, (laughs) About four actions that will help you stay life-giving. Four actions that will help you stay full of life. The first one is you got to avoid assumptions. You got to avoid assumptions. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 11 says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So you can assume what people are thinking. You can assume what people are doing. And I've actually learned that you can assume what God is doing. You can, you can assume you know what God is up to. And, and here's just a great way to help you avoid assumptions. When you don't know, don't act like you know. <laughs> when you don't know, don't act like you know. Ask. Hey, I noticed you said that, and I don't know what you meant by it, but this is what I took from it. Is that what you meant? Girl, no, I was just busy. You know, the kids were acting crazy. I was on the phone. They were yelling in the background. I did not even mean that. Like, like it would save us so much pain and so much harder if we would just avoid assuming and avoid acting like we know what's going on. There's some things you just shouldn't, you just shouldn't assume in life, okay? Uh, fellas, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you're dating right now. You're getting, you know, it's getting serious, and you're thinking about, I'm about to buy me a ring. Never assume <laughs> what ring your wife likes, okay? You better ask a friend. You better call somebody, call her mama. Never assume <laughs> you know, okay? I've learned, and you, you may think this is less romantic. You may think this is not as cool, but I don't assume what Sydney's want, wants for birthdays, Christmases, any of that. You better put it on a list, okay? It better be on Amazon somewhere so I can get exactly what you want because I'm not trying to do the fake smiles on Christmas because this is that, this is happened. We have just, we started dating, okay? And she mentioned something about this store that she liked. This was this clothing store, right? And I feel like, you know, I can dress pretty good for a man, but I learned that I don't know how to dress like for a woman, obviously. And so I go to this store and I'm like, I'm about to buy my boo some clothes. Like she gonna love all of this stuff. And I, I mean, I, I spent some money too. I was like, I bought a lot, I bought a lot of stuff. And she's opening it on Christmas. She's like, oh, this is, you know the thing. That it's like, this is so nice. Thank you. It's like, oh. And so... <laughs> And so she's so loving and life-giving that she never really, like, told me, like, I ain't really like those clothes. But I just started noticing, like, they weren't in the closet as much. I started noticing her friends, like, wear them and not give them back. And I was like, hey, like, what's up? And then eventually she was like, yeah, I don't like those. And so I just, there's just some things you should not assume about life. 
There, there's, there's nothing that sucks the life out of a relationship faster than assuming somebody's motives, assuming somebody's intentions, because assumptions masquerade in our mind like they're facts when they really aren't. And if you were to be honest, uh, you hate when people assume stuff about you. This is what, a, this is what assumption says. Uh, oh, I know what she meant. I, I know what he meant. I know, I know, I know. He looked at me like that in the office. I know. If you got a problem, he can see me at 5 o'clock. I clock out every day, same spot. Like, assumption says I know your intentions when life-giving people say, you know what, I'm just going to ask. And if I'm going to assume anything, I'm going to assume the best. Hey, I bet they didn't mean to not call me back. I think they probably just got busy. I'm going to just text them again real quick. Like, you see how, how easy of a change that is, but how big of a difference that can make in relationships if we stopped assuming. If we don't, when people walk into the doors of our church, if we don't assume we know their story, then it gives us the opportunity to ask and them to open up and begin to share things. And you have an opportunity to minister. Whereas if not, somebody comes in, you just assume you know their story. Oh, I know how they look. I know their type already. I'm not even going to talk to them. Well, now you missed an opportunity to minister and bring life to people. So you got to avoid assumptions. The second thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to guard against offense. You have to guard against offense. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So we can't be life-giving people and have a heart full of offenses. Because if you are offended, what's going to flow from your heart is bitterness, it's going to, indifference is going to flow. Like you're going to have a callous heart because you're holding on to all of these offenses and you're not guarding yourself from them because doing life with people, oh, you're just going to have plenty of opportunities to be offended. You're just going to have, if you don't have an opportunity to do anything else, you're going to have an opportunity to pick up offense. With your spouse, oh, you, you told them you don't like that meal and they just keep making it. You're going to have an opportunity to pick up an offense. Somebody cuts you off in the car line. You're just trying to pick up your kids. You're just like, listen, I'm just trying to get these kids. And somebody cuts you off. You have an opportunity to be offended. You are in the lobby, and you're just waiting to connect with this one person, but they get tied up, and now you're hanging around a little bit. Oh, there's an opportunity for you to get offended. We change the service times by 15 minutes. Come on, don't, don't you know? Like, those are my 15 minutes of, like, self-time. Oh, you have an opportunity to be offended, but you have to guard your heart against those things. A few weeks ago, I was out, I was running, and uh, I, I had like, did like a little cool down, and I was driving in my car, and all of a sudden, my heart started to like palpitate a little bit. I started having heart palpitations, okay? So it would, it would jump up to like 140 beats per minute, and then it would go down to like 65. And so I was like, that doesn't usually happen. And so it had happened like two or three days that week, and so finally it was like, Sydney was like, uh, yeah, you're going to the doctor. I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you, but you're just going. And when we got there, thankfully, there was nothing like huge. They gave me a couple of things to do to just kind of like monitor it. But the one thing that they did say is that I need to watch it like for the next several months. I just need to be paying attention to it. I need to be monitoring it. I need to be watching. So I'm like now I'm all the time, if I even feel like I was walking fast, I'm like, okay, what is my heart rate? <laughs> and so, but that's a picture of how we should be guarding our hearts against offense. 
We should always be monitoring it. We should always be leaving conversations thinking, okay, am I, am I picking up an unnecessary offense? Is that what they really meant? Is that what they really said? And so we have to guard our hearts against offense before they take root and disrupt the flow of life that should be springing from us. And if this is something you're like, hey, man, I'll be offended. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hard all the time. I don't, I don't know what to do. I would suggest next semester, jump into a Freedom Life group. Uh, like I've been through it. I've led it a couple times and it's a great tool to help you begin to unearth some of these things and realize, okay, this is where all of that is coming from. So you got to guard against offense. Are y'all learning something? Okay, awesome, awesome. Skip, skip. Okay, the third thing you got to do is you got to run from sin. If you're going to stay life-giving, you have to run from sin. Now, ironically, I'm not running anywhere right now, but um, Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so sin has this way of, of lying to us and saying that, oh, this is just pleasurable. There's nothing to pay on the backside of it. But you never get anything for free in life. How many of you uh, know that? Okay, so, so sin says this. Uh, this is actually the reality of sin is that it's pleasurable right now, but in the end, you will die or you will have to pay a price. There will be pain. Living a life-giving life is actually the reverse. So we actually say yes to the pain on the front end. We actually say, hey, I'm going to say no to alcohol because I know that it leads me down a sinful path. I'm going to say that now, and that's painful, but I know that in 40 years, I'm still going to have my marriage. I'm going to have my grandkids around me, and it's, it's going to be better. On the, so I'm going to pay the price now so that I can have the benefit later. Okay. This is how I would explain it to you. Okay. So I'm obviously in this boot right now. Okay. And y'all are like, dear Lord. All right. So if I'm standing right here, all of the moms in the room are like, he about to die. Like, please get back from the edge. Okay. And you can't, you can't see it, but we actually have this tape right here that tells us like, Hey, don't go, don't go past right there so that people don't fall off. But, but if I were to stand right here, everyone's nervous for me because I'm already injured. And if I fall, it's only going to make it worse. All of you think, this, this is stupid to do this. I do too. Can't wait to move back. <laughs> but this is actually how most people live in their relationship to sin. We're like, I ain't really sinning. I'm just like as close as I can possibly get to it. And so I, I don't really gossip about my husband, but I just like to hang out with women who gossip about their husbands. I kind of laugh and little kiki, but you know that you're just one step away from falling into that sin. I don't, because nobody starts off like, I think I want to like rob from my job today. I think I want to just do some, you know, I just want to do some embezzlement today. Nobody just wakes up one day and, and chooses that lifestyle. But what happens is they start off, you know, way back here where we should be. Come on, you get saved. When you meet Jesus and you're like, I'm going to get as far away from sin as possible. But then we start, it don't look too bad over there. It's just, I think I'll just move a little bit. Okay, that's not, ain't nothing really happened. You know, I, did, I, 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 I stepped towards sin and nothing bad happened yet. So it must not, maybe the preacher was wrong. Maybe that's not even a sin. And so you get a little bit closer. And before you know it, step by step, you get back to the edge. But the problem with that is if you take one more step, or you trip up, or the enemy comes back, 
behind you and gives you a little nudge. Well, now you're in a boot like me because you've gotten too close to sin. And the Bible actually says put, all, put off all appearance of evil. So we're not trying to be legalistic, but we're trying to stay life-giving. And I know that for me to stay life-giving, I got to be in places where people are life-giving. And sin actually sucks the life out of me. And so if sin is sucking all the life out of me, then I don't have any to give to anybody else. And so we cannot be in the light and the dark at the same time. Does this make sense? Like you, can't, you can't get as close to cheating on your wife as possible and think that you're going to be life-giving. You can't get as close to abusing your kids as possible and think that you're, like, let's just take it from a generic thought and let's just make it very, very clear. You can't get as close to kind of (laughs) lying to your parents about where you're going and then think, I'm going to live a blessed life. That's not how how it works. God says, come on, if you're on the light side, then be in the light. If you're in the dark, go ahead over there. It's going to steal the life from you. And God knows that sin actually does more harm than good. So we're never trying to tell people what to do. We're just telling you, hey, we've been there before, and we know what that produces. And we're just telling you right now that you want to get as far away. I know it looks good right now. I know it looks pleasurable. I know it looks enjoyable. But you want to get as far away from that as possible because ultimately the thing that brings life is not sin. Come on, it's the gift of God. So, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to run from sin and run towards life-giving relationships. And so I want you to jump into a life group. We got life groups for all ages and stages. And Jeff next week is going to talk about being full of connection. Come on, it's going to be so much better than this. And so come back next week so that you can learn more about that. But the last uh, point I have is this. If we're going to stay full of life, we're going to be a life-giving church. Uh, we're going to have to use what we've been given. You have to use what you've been given. And Jesus is the best uh, example of this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, you have to use what God has given you. Jesus is actually interrupting his disciples because they're arguing about who is the best. Like, who's going to be the greatest? No, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Peter, ain't nobody. You ain't better than nobody. Like, oh, come on, man. You, you always saying the wrong stuff. You sink. You, you was walking on the water, but then you started sinking. Like, you're not better than me. And so they're, they're going back and forth. And Jesus says, actually, hold up, hold up. Y'all have this all upside down. In culture, uh, whoever's in charge lets you know because they lord it over you. Come on, your CEO lets you know or whatever. But, but in the kingdom, actually, if you want to be the leader, you actually have to be willing to give the most. You have to be willing to be the servant of all. He actually goes as far to say that you have to be a slave to the people if you want to be the greatest. And then he says, it's, it's, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I've actually laid down my life as a ransom for many people. Jesus was given human flesh, and with that flesh, he served people, healed people, set captives free, restored the blind, brought good news to the poor, and ultimately paid the price for our salvation. Jesus used what he was given. And it's not just Jesus, it's all through the Bible. Moses was given a staff, and with that staff, come on, he used it to part the Red Sea and to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joseph was given a dream, and he used that dream ultimately for God's glory. 
David was given a slingshot and he used it for God's glory. Elijah was given the ability to prophesy and he used it for God's glory. So I would want to ask you, what do you have that you can use to bring God glory? Because God is never just giving you stuff just so you can just put it in the pantry for later. That, that, that's not how he operates. If he gives you something, he doesn't want it to stop with you. He wants it to move through you to other people. So maybe he gave you a story. Maybe you've come through a lot of pain. Let's not just let that pain go to waste. The worst thing to do would be to have a painful experience. God do something in your life, and then you just never tell anybody about it. And we need to be telling everybody about it because that's what people really need. Sure, being kind to them is helpful. Serving them is helpful. But what people are looking for is for my pain, do you have something that can help me heal? Do you have hope? Do you have life? Do you have a story, a testimony, a house, a car, uh, money that you could use to serve people? And how many people would we see in our church if each person left today deciding this? I'm not going to waste anything. I'm not going to let stuff just sit in my junk drawer <laughs> and just go to waste and rust and get dusty. No, I'm going to use what I'm going to use my story. I'm going to use what we have. And so I guess my last question would be, are you a drain or are you a fountain? Are you a drain? Or are you a fountain? And that is determined by your outlook on life. How do you approach life? with your attitude and your actions. Are you coming to church just for what you can get out of it? Or are you coming to church for what you bring to the table? In your marriage, are you going to your husband or wife for what they can do for you? Or are you going into your marriage thinking, man, I wonder how I can bless my wife today. I wonder how I can bless my husband today. And what if we didn't argue about who had to pick up the kids, <laughs> but the biggest fight in our house was, man, who's going to outbless <laughs> the other one? Because, because when I approach life with I'm bringing something to the table, then it's easy for me to be life-giving because it's not about me anyway. It's, it's not about me. It's not about me feeling better about myself. It's not about everybody saying the right thing to make me feel good and make my self-esteem rise. No, it's about God flowing through me, and it's about everything that he's given me flowing and being used and seen by other people. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't started serving, if, you have, if you've never been through Framework, it's just three Sundays. You come here anyway. You're right here right now. All it is is when you leave, just go to the connect room right there and say, you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to take that full step yet, but I'm going to at least go to the first class. I'm going to at least hear about what God is doing here at the house so that I can know if this is somewhere where, where what God has given me can flow through me. But you got to be serving. You got to be, because if you don't, here's what happens, okay? It's like eating everything in your house, but never going on a walk, never burning any calories. And so you just get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's more uncomfortable and spiritually, you're irritated and you think, well, the sermons just aren't deep enough. I would challenge you that actually the sermons are deep enough. <laughs> Maybe you just haven't used what you've been given. 
Maybe, maybe you just haven't put it to work yet. Like once you've put together all of the, you know, 300 sermons that we preached over the last seven years, then we can talk about the sermons not being deep enough. But right now, we just need to walk out of here and love some people and serve some people and commit to, you know what, this next six months of my life, I'm going to commit to be life-giving. And here's what will happen. And I want to tell you this, not because I read it in a book, but because this has been my life over the last two years. Because here's the lie, that if my life is perfect, I can be life-giving. And that's the only way I'll do it. God, if you, if you just make the path and I can just walk it free of pain, then I'll be life-giving. But you know some of the most life-giving people I know have been through some of the most painful stories. And so a lot of you know a part of me and uh, Sydney's story is that when we first got married, like we had Malachi like right away. And, and we've always wanted to be parents. We just felt like, you know what, I, I want to be a dad. She wants to be a mom. We're like, well, cool, let's do it. And so we had Malachi. And he, when he was like six months oh, which is crazy like that, we were like, hey, I'm ready. Like, well, let's, just, let's just have another one. And so fast forward four years and two miscarriages later, we had to really pause and go, okay, what is God wanting us to do? Like, what do you want me to do with this? Because I am serving you and I am trying to guard my heart against offense and I am running from sin, but it still feels like my life has some pain in it. And I don't know what to do with this. And so we started doing foster care and we opened up our home and we started using what we've been given. So we had an extra room. So we were like, you know what? We can put, we can put some kids in there. I grew up in a house that was like a three bedroom trailer with nine kids. Okay. So I'm like, I know how to stack some kids up in here. We can, we, we, we can figure this out. We went and got, we went and got a bigger car, not because we needed a bigger car. We only had three people. But we, we said, you know what, during the summers, we're going to let them use it for be the one. And young people are going to be in our car and they're going to be doing ministry and they're going to get ministered to. And our family is going to grow. We don't know how God is going to do it. Maybe he's going to do it through foster care or adoption, or maybe we'll have another kid one day. But, but we were just like, you know what, right now, we're just going to use what we've been given. Can I tell you, a few months ago, we got a call. Hey, we have a, a mom who wants to give up her baby for adoption in October and we would like we're considering you and so we're just like that's amazing we thought we had a little bit more time <laughs> it's a lot of money like, we used what we were given so we didn't have that much money left <laughs> and so we're serving at VBS and Sydney is like doing her thing up here loving kids I mean the, i legitimately don't know a person more life-giving than my wife. And she's up here serving other people's kids while dealing with the pain of not being able to have more of her own. And she gets a call and they say, hey, it's the lawyer. Like, yo, this is happening. And we're like, praise God. And then he says, you got to have $10,000 to me by next week for us to do this. And then we said, praise God. <laughs> So we're praying. We're like, God, if you want this to happen, then you're going to have to help it. Like, you're going to have to do it, basically. Like, <laughs> and so we pray. We, we start a fundraiser. And we, we raised $10,000 in two days. Two days. Don't, woo, don't tell me that God can't take what you have and multiply it and use it to bring more life 
into your situation. Don't tell me your pain is for nothing. Don't tell me that you're just going through it and it doesn't matter because God uses every part of your story to build more and more life. And so we started doing these $5 Fridays and we because we still needed like $16,000, okay? So we were like, 10000 is great, but they're still like, we need more than that, okay? So we started doing that and little by little, it started to come in. And so last week, we sat down and we we're like, okay, we need, how much was it? Okay, it was like $11,500, something like that. And last week, we got $9,500 of that money. Come on, isn't God good? And what is that doing? It's God redeeming. <laughs> it's God bringing life where there was no life. There's going to be a, and, and if you gave, if you, if you prayed, if you've just been a part of it, we just want to say thank you so much for being generous. And as you see this baby boy, come on, grow up in this church. I want you to know that you were a part of that. I want you to know that you used what you were given in that moment. And you say, you know what? I may only have some prayers right now, but I'm going to give those. Hey, I may have some money right now and I'm going to give that. And as he's walking up and growing up in the house of God, and he's in kids church laughing. And when he's running around making a mess and he stepped on your new shoes, I just need your remember I paid for this to happen I gave I gave so this would happen use what you've been given you actually don't want an easy story you actually don't want a life with zero heartache because then how would God show up in your life how would God do anything for you if he just gave you everything that you needed and it's not because, this didn't happen because me and Sydney had some magic formula and our faith was perfect. There were many nights where I was like, oh, maybe Malachi is it. It happened because God is faithful and he's the one who promises full life in the first place. And so today, I want to pray for you. Maybe you felt like, I've been more of a dream. I, I, I actually have been taking more than I've been giving in my marriage, in my relationships, in my friendships, in my job, at church. Like, I haven't actually been a person who's, who's giving anything. I've actually just hoped that everybody would meet my needs. And can I tell you that your life will be so much more full if you'll decide today, I'm going to flip the switch on that. In the midst of my pain, I'm still going to be somebody who gives. And God will meet you right where you're at. And that's the full life that Jesus promises because that's the one that he lived. He lived his entire life giving, serving, healing, equipping, dying so that we could have full life. So now if there's going to be some people in here in a year that are here because of you. We're going to have to say, regardless of my situation, I'm just, I'm just going to be a life giver. I'm not going to be the person who's negative. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to give more high fives than I give criticisms, okay? I'm going to be excited about the worship, whether or not they play my song or not. I'm going to come in expecting for God to move, and not just expecting for God to move, but expecting God to move through me. Come on, would you stand up with me? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.